Hey guys, welcome to the Bagging Broadcast, episode number 347. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is The List, the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out August 16th, 2017. And we follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic. And this week it's time for our monthly uh, trade and policy where we're going to be looking at a trade paperback that we picked up and give our collective thoughts on. And this month it's time for The Vision Volume 2. A little bit better than a beast uh, by Tom King and I believe the artist's name is Michael Walsh. I should have looked at that better. I didn't. Yep, Michael Walsh on art. Hey, all um, right. Yeah. So, so that's what we're talking about. Yeah, but you know, before we get into all that, we have to start off with a little bit of drinking, and by a little bit, I mean a whole <laughs> dick kick amount of because this is a. From Founders Brewery, they're fourth in their bourbon barrel age, bourbon bourbon barrel stock, because yes. it was Fruitwood. Fruitwood. Then uh, the good one. KBS. KBS, then Lizard uh, of Cause. Doom. Lizard oh, of Cause isn't in it. Isn't it? Okay, so then Doom, and then now. And now this. DKML, which is uh, stands for Dick Kick Malt Liquor. Dick Kicker. Dick Kicker Malt Liquor. Oh. And Paul, or uh, Chris, what are you drinking? Uh, I am also drinking a Founders DKML, uh, their Imperial Malt Liquor aged in bourbon barrels, sitting at 14.2%. Um, surprisingly, I was actually able to find this down in Florida. I went to my beer store uh, the other day and walked in, and some of the limited release stuff they actually keep behind the like, customer service desk. So I always kind of take a spin through there before I actually go look at the shelves, and I, I walked past it, and I saw they had a bottle up on top of the shelf, and I was like, yes. How, how much of that can I buy? Is there a limit? And then the guy looked at the sign. He was like, uh, yeah, it's one bottle per customer. And I was like, oh, okay, well, no, let me get one. And then as he went over to the, the case to pull out the bottle, he's like, oh, actually, no, I misread that. It says one pack. And I was like, I'll take a pack. How much is a pack? Uh, $16.99. Okay. So it's in that range that yeah. these have been in. We uh, Yeah, I think up here in New York, it's $14.99. So yeah, I'm not, not going to... Pick that apart, sixty ninety nine for a four pack, but it is fourteen point two percent. And then just to kind of put it into perspective, I also bought a four pack of Southern Tier Warlock, which was fourteen ninety nine, and a four pack of Big Storm Brewing um, Firestorm I- Black IPA, uh, which was nine ninety nine. So, ooh, Chris was making it rain, making it rain. Yeah. Well, but you know, I, I got beer for today, and then I just got Warlock to have sitting around for you know, those those days where you feel like you need you need a warlock. You need a warlock. Uh, and uh, a bit of warlocking is uh, the uniqueness of this beer. Um, so Paul and I started drinking ours chilled, and Chris was having his a little more room temperature, and Chris said, boy, big, big alcohol mm-hmm. on this. And Paul and I yeah, were like... All, all alcohol. Paul and I like, really? Like, all we get is like kind of vanilla molasses and molassesy and this and big oak. oak oak notes and it's del- it's I think it's really delicious. Big oak. Um so Chris threw his into the uh the freezer to chill it down and your thoughts, Chris? Yeah, after putting it in the freezer for I don't know what the five to seven minutes that it was in there, really leveled it out. So definitely drink this one chilled. Um I have three more bottles, I'm probably gonna put those in the back of my fridge just to have them 
for a round, but yeah, you really need to have this one chilled. It really takes that alcohol off and you get a lot more of just like that nice like vanilla oak taste. Um, and then you really can't tell that it's 14.2%. Uh, yeah. Um, I think in being chilled incredibly smooth for 14%. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And now that it's starting to warm up a little bit, you I'm get a little it at the back end. You yeah. get a little heat on the back of the tongue, but it's still Especially drinkable. if you take a big gulp. Yeah. Big gulps will uh, burn you. Yeah. But this is, I mean, incredibly incredibly smooth with just a little bit of heat. It's still faster drinking than I than I'd want it to be at 14. Mm-hmm. But this is something like, oh, I'm in the mood for a cocktail or something or oh, I was going to I was going to have some bourbon or scotch mm-hmm. i would pour this over maybe a couple uh whiskey stones and just kind of swirl in my yeah, glass yeah, yeah. and sip uh well playing board games or mm-hmm. doing something kind of like putting a puzzle together just something monotonous have it to sip on it, it is different i wouldn't want to say it would replace any of those things but it, i understand that mood like I could see myself being in a similar mood and wanting this versus wanting something as deep or as rich as a bourbon, but something lighter than yeah. those. Yeah. Uh, yeah something I, like I could drink the full bottle over mm-hmm. a couple hours um, and enjoy that versus like pouring myself some scotch or bourbon at 40 to 60 percent and and drinking that in less time. Mm-hmm. And then filling my glass up and yeah, yeah. getting sauced, but uh, no, I I like it. Um, I I picked this up before it was recalled here in New York for um, the fact that the paperwork didn't go through in New York State for it. So I actually will pick up a four pack of this because I only bought one bottle. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll pick a four pack up when it comes back yeah. up. Um, or back on the shelves. Um, I, 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 this is the winner for me so far out of the the um, barrel bourbon, room barrel room series. Um, yeah, I would say this and Doom is hard for me to mm-hmm. to put one over the other because I've had Doom a lot more. It's also kind of more readily available. I feel, um, but Doom and this, I think, are far and away like just the great standout like from the new offerings i mean kbs is always going to be kbs a go-to but yeah um but yeah definitely better than fruitwood yeah yeah i agree and, and i know they like we kind of talked pre-show we don't count or they don't count the lizard of cause in the barrel age series for all intents and purposes it's it's another one of the barrel aged beers that came out kind of during this initiative like i would count it as maybe like the cousin of the barrel age series. Yeah. It gets maybe grandfathered in. Yeah. I feel like it was discussed in the same meeting probably. <laughs> um, but I still have a bottle of it. Still have not tried it as a lizard of cause. We didn't drink it down with Chris. No, I no, we, we gave up. We just gave him a bottle. Yeah. Oh, I thought you had a, yeah. I, I've had it. Chris has had it. I've had it a bunch. Yeah, I, I can still find it on the shelf here, too. Like, <laughs> I still have a couple bottles on my know, shelf, it's, too. It's not bad. Like, if it was on sale at the beer store and I, 
it was like a light beer week for me. I, I would grab a bottle just to have in the fridge and like try it now that's kind of aged up a little bit. Hmm. See if those flavors kind of melt together a little bit more. But speaking of the news, <laughs> yeah, uh, let's get into uh, the p- promised movie numbers. Yeah, here we um, go. Uh, guys, here are yeah, the numbers. Every, every year we do our summer blockbuster movie bracket buster. Um, and this, this summer's officially come to a close now. Yeah, uh, nothing that was going to go uh, beyond four weeks for us it, it has made it past. So uh, here we are at the end of the road. Uh, and we went over the opening weekend numbers. So we know that uh, the matchups stand as uh, Guardians versus Despicable Me. Spider-Man versus uh, Pirates, Wonder Woman versus Dunkirk, and Transformers versus Baywatch. So, uh, Guardians made, in its first week, first full week, uh, including after opening weekend, made $183.2 million versus Despicable Me, with a really surprising $115.2. We like it. Despicable Me continues to do well, year after it, year after uh, year. It, double, it just about doubled its opening weekend. Mm-hmm. Number so that's, yeah. that's pretty good for Despicable Me. So Guardians of the Galaxy will move on. Spider Man: uh, Homecoming uh, came out with a very impressive first week of 163.1 million. You know, mm. and uh, a lot of people were maligning the the pirates, Dead Man Tell No Tale, saying, "Yeah, it's all over, it's a bust." But uh, after its first full week open, it made 93 million. You know, and that's just domestic, right? Yeah, that's just domestic, and well, and uh, sixty three opening, and then just added, you know, another fifty percent. It added if it you said opened, ninety, yeah. So if it made sixty, add half fifty percent, yeah, thirty, thirty plus sixty, ninety. Gotcha. Math magical. You said it. <laughs> All right. The so you know, DKML and over here. So uh, you know, it's it's it bound. I don't know what, how much you made after that, but I I think it. It's safe to say it made over a hundred million dollars. Which, granted, years previous it opened with a hundred million dollars, but yeah, but probably, probably more. Yeah, but this is the last of the series, and you know, it, is it? I thought it was. I thought that's what they I were saying. They were still planning well, on no, making more. They're they're saying it's the last chapter, but it's like the first part of. It's the first part chapter. of the last chapter. Yeah. Oh. Kind of like how Paul. Um, it's okay. You don't have to go see it. I yeah, haven't. You don't seen have it. to. See, you don't. I don't even think you saw this one. I haven't. Did you yeah, see the third see one? I saw the second and third. Only once each. Chris keeps on saying yeah, but, I should give those two another shot. But yeah, I I really enjoy those ones. Um, both Dead Man's Chest and what was the third one called? Uh, World's End. No. World's End. No, no that was no, uh, that's uh, yeah, at World's End, and then on Stranger Ties. On, was the yeah, fourth yeah, one. yeah. Like the fourth one wasn't that great, but people give that movie a lot of crap, and I don't think it deserves, like, all that venom. Um, but two and three, I think, are both solid movies, and I can kind of see what they mean with Dead Man Tell No Tales being, like, the final chapter, because Pirates 2 and 3 definitely kind of watch, like, one movie, almost like Lord mm. of the Rings style. Like, they definitely feed into each other, and I think they were filmed back-to-back, too. Mm. Um, but, yeah. I don't know, I... The Pirates movies are always fun. I, I like the Swashbuckly adventure. I mean, I feel like we don't have just enough fun adventure movies. Like, everything's really just world-weary world, world weary and heavy now, so. Well, they they have tried with, uh, what is it, the uh, Lone 
Lone uh, Lone Ranger. Lone Ranger. Uh, John the, John Carpenter of Mars. The uh, the Sansa John time. John Carpenter's. John, John, yeah, of Mars. John Carter's Mars. And John Carter of Mars. The American you know Pie franchise. I, like, I, I really dug the Prince of Persia <laughs> movie, too. Uh, you know, Prince of Persia, that, that's, that's what I'm I liked Prince of Persia. I, I would like to have seen the more. Still, you know, they have not been able to launch another one. It's been pirates. Or no, pirates are bust for them. And then they went out and bought Marvel because of it. <laughs> And uh, let's keep on going on with our little list. We have Wonder Woman first week. Uh, it was kind of a slow burn. It made 101 million, and then it made 147.8 million during its first opening week. Uh, that went up against Dunkirk, which made 74.7 million, which is really strong for a war movie. I, I think you know, yeah, a lot better than War Horse. Yeah, War Horse didn't do some good money. No, no, didn't do great money. I mean, you had the horse people and also the war people. People Some like people horses. Like horses in war, though. Yeah, that's true. Uh, then we had Transformers versus that. That bottom of our bracket this year was the bracket. <laughs> it didn't even need. To, it shouldn't have come out to play. It was like it stalled at the gate. Uh, Transformers opening week numbers, and this is a little weird. Uh, this one here uh, made twenty three point eight million over its first full week. Baywatch it had a weird release. Where it released on May 25th, like a Thursday, or so. It, it, it so it's like I don't know. The numbers were kind of weird, but if you included all of that Memorial Day weekend, it made 27 million, which would have moved it on. And also, if you included it that as its first week, uh, it made 33.2 million. So I moved it on with 33.2 million. Um, there wasn't many, um, like, we've seen that it, just doing the, the, the bracket that the midweek summer um, movies aren't really a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just like, you know what, people don't really go to see them that much during the during the middle of the week. Because mm-hmm. if you go to Box Office Mojo, you'll see a week entry for it at, like, $4.7 million. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense because it's opening weekend. And I've always said that the opening, you know, the first week matchup is the opening weekend plus its week. So even if we subtracted out that 4.8 from it, you know, with whatever weird opening it might have had, it's you know, still, it still, still would have moved on. Yeah. Um, so then we're back over at uh, Guardians. Well, okay, sorry, real, oh, real quick before we get away from Transformers. Every time a Transformer movie comes out, everyone's like, why do they keep making these? And they keep doing less and less money. And I know we don't talk about the international take on these at all, but are they doing well enough overseas that the studio can be like, okay, like, yeah, you know what, let's make Transformers. It's, seven are they going on to now? Like, I don't even know. It, well, uh, there's going to be a Bumblebee movie. It didn't do well as well as uh, Wolf War, War Wolf, or Warrior Wolf number two. Did you hear about that movie over in uh, China? Half a billion dollars? Whoa. I've heard of the movie. I didn't know how well it did. And it's, I actually haven't even heard of that. It's basically the Chinese version of uh, a a war hero. It's basically Rambo. Uh, but he's China. a wolf. Uh, and uh, the thing is that he came home after the war serving proudly, and he was the only member of his like group to survive. Uh, and there's... He comes home to find that his... Uh, so it's a little like the Punisher, I guess, too. His uh, family was killed, 
and then he goes after those mercenaries and those people that killed his family. Uh, and now in the second one, uh, members of his old squad that he thought were dead actually went black ops Ooh. and now are stuck in a uh, in a conflict in Africa, and he's and he goes against he's the only one who can save him. Yeah, and he goes against uh, the Chinese government to save his fallen comrades or, or his comrades in trouble. And uh, then by the end of the movie, China, the Chinese military does come in and takes them all away in the helicopter, leaving the one lone American to be at the embassy where nobody is at anymore. The American embassy calling home and getting a busy signal. Hello, So that's that's Wolf Warrior or Warrior Wolf Two, the breakdown. For anybody that's interested in watching a Chinese movie that we'll never see, uh, Transformers. I can so easily nice. see it. Can well, I watch it? It sounds no, good. We might, get a, we might get an American remake of it. And <laughs> everyone's gonna be like, oh, it's random. Uh, foreign, foreign market. Uh, it's made uh, $464 million worldwide. Oh, so that's it seems slightly... It made $228 million uh, in China. Because that's that's what, worldwide, you, you look for China. Yeah, that's right the, those they, they've, got, they've got the people, they've got the money, so yeah. Well, okay. Up, ten years ago, there only was like 38 theaters in China. Now it's blown up. Like, there's actually... People wanted to go see go to the movie theaters but there just wasn't it yep. available because the lines would be too long now it's an actual franchise and uh, a Chinese company was looking to buy out AMC really yeah and it might actually happen because this year has been so bad for movies uh, like AMC's going uh, you know I have to say I never really got them. like oh I love going I love going to the movies <laughs> and I've sat in regular movie seats for 35 years uh I went to see Atomic Blonde in a regular theater because my wife loves AMCs with the recliners. So I'm sitting in a regular th- seat and I'm like, I, I hate this. This is the worst seat ever, man. I'm not doing anything but those recliner seats. Boom! I, I've put it out there because I was so uncomfortable and the movie wasn't great. Hmm. There was no Baby Driver. Oh no, Baby Driver was great, Which and I sat in those comfortable seats. You know what? It also wasn't Guardians, which after two weeks grossed a total of two hundred and sixty-six point seven—not grossed, netted two hundred and sixty-six point seven million dollars. That went up against Spider-Man. This actually got close, two hundred and twenty-nine point seven million. Ooh, wow! Yeah. So uh, Guardians moves on to the fi- finals uh, over on the well, other side. Real quick, though, I think that's it's kind of good that two Marvel movies like that can perform coming out so close together. Yeah. Uh, before It's happened before with uh, Captain America and Thor, but Captain America was the May release, kind of like Guardians, and and then Thor was the, what, November, August release? Right? The Guardians original. was, uh, yeah, August. Yeah, Guardians was August, but back in... But what was the movie, the Marvel movie that was before Guardians then? Was that... Well, it would have been... It would have been Captain America. It was Winter Soldier. Yeah, Winter, Winter Soldier. Soldier, and that those, was, those that was the May 5th. Mm-hmm. So they've been, Marvel's been releasing two a year for a while, and they both move, both movies have been doing well. Uh, on the other side, but I understand your point, Chris. One, like, they, they don't seem to, like, 
lead to fatigue at all. People don't go see like the first one and like, eh, let's not go see that other one. We just saw a Marvel movie. Uh, it's Wonder Woman made two hundred and thirty-three point eight million during the second week. So even if Wonder Woman went up against Spider Man here, Wonder Woman would have moved on. Uh, versus Baywatch, which only had twenty or uh, forty-six point five million. So even though Wonder Woman was on the weaker side of the bracket, it's it did well enough to get to. I think it would have done well enough to get to the finals, no matter where we placed it. Uh, so we have Guardians versus Wonder Woman, and this is kind of upsetting here because, uh, well, not upsetting, but it's interesting because Guardians made three hundred and thirteen point three million after its first three weeks. Wonder Woman made twenty not or two hundred and ninety three point two million. If this went on one other week, those numbers would have flip flopped, and Wonder Woman would have overtaken Guardians. Wow! During the fourth week, it flipped. Uh, Wonder Woman uh, after its fourth week made three hundred and thirty million, and Guardians made three hundred and like twenty something million. So the so. real success story, sorry, is Wonder Woman out of this summer. Yeah, but Guardians does win our bracket. Oh, it does win. And you know who else wins this bracket? Chris. Chris. Me. With I did. Tw- with 12 out of 15 picks correct. Yep. Isn't that crazy? Just. When we were. We were which ones did I miss out on? I can't remember. Uh, Dunkirk, Dunkirk over. Uh, you to pick Dark Tower. Dark Tower. Over Dunkirk. But that got quickly wiped away because. Yeah. You know. Wonder Woman. And it was the Dark Tower against Baywatch. Those, and uh, and then you picked Spider Man to be the ultimate winner. Mm-hmm. So those three, yes. um, yeah, great job. Uh, I got not, not I, bad, not bad showing me. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone that made it possible, um, especially me. Yep, for picking my picks. And then uh, founders, D. Kamel, uh, this one's for you. Uh, I got seven, so I, I was. Just, I just finished my. I just finished my drink. I finished. Oh, jeez. I finished my half a bottle. I finished my half a bottle. Um, I got seven, and Paul has lost his, but he's like, no, I, I don't think I, I wouldn't close. end up being 12. You know? and, and it goes to show you that uh, I can create games. I just can't win them. You've never been a movie guy. Yeah, that's true. It should be a numbers thing for you, though. Like, you just, like, because you're Mr. Numbers. I'm like, Mr. Numbers? Oh, yeah, Mr. Numbers. I didn't know I was Mr. Numbers. Um, he just likes making brackets. Yeah. Chris, this is number two for you. This is your second win on the brackets. We also didn't invite any friends of the show to be on the bracket this it's always, year. It's because those episodes run way too long. Yeah, they do. And uh, uh, and in the also, past, timing is really difficult for us right now. Yeah, in the past we've had uh, other people on, and the, and a lot of times those people end up winning. But mm-hmm. um, it always depends. Uh, really, it always matters between the three of us and. Uh, Chris, I think this is your second time winning. Paul, you've never won, right? Never won. Um, and there was one time we thought you won, but the numbers were yeah. askew. Because of Ant-Man, yeah. Something, yeah. Something. Uh, there was a was, bug in the system. Yeah. It was Ant-Man, uh. and I think it was um, uh, Mad Max. Yeah. Because Mad Max had one of those, it had like a Thursday release. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it like jumbled the numbers because of that. Uh, but no, hey, Chris, great job. Um, 
good picking. When I, you know, you go over it and you see what you picked over the other stuff, you're like, yeah, no, he was right. <laughs> I made yeah, it. Like, well, like I said, like, like pre-show when we started talking about this, I just hate the fact that I still haven't seen all the movies that I said I wanted to see when we picked these because I, I just haven't had the chance to. Guess what? Nobody has. But that's why. Yeah, the movies that really did well are the ones you actually went out and saw. So yeah. So maybe everyone else is just in like the same boat as me, where it's like, oh, you know, I want to see this, but man, I have to see, you know, Guardians or Spider Man or Wonder Woman. And a movie that everybody has to see uh, is Justice League, right, guys? And we've been getting some interesting news from the <laughs> Justice League set, uh, which wrapped filming a while ago, but has been in a two, over a two-month series of reshoots with Joss Whedon uh, coming in to just, you know, make sure that everything just got done because of, unfortunately, Jack Snyder, uh, Jack's, Zach. Zack Snyder's uh, family. Uh, the, he lost his daughter? Yes. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, sad news. You don't want to see that kind of stuff happen to anybody. Uh, so Joss Whedon stepped in, and the studio was saying, he, hey, Joss is just there. He's too... You know, follow the bullet points to get everything just helmed and done, wrapped up. And now we're hearing news that maybe Joss went a little Joss. Uh, well, I think also it was just um, in some of the quote-unquote rumors that, well, things might have been happening in Zack Snyder's life. It may have also been previously to his his daughter's passing. May have There may have been things that have led to kind of chaoticness on the set of things Mm. Um, and coming in and working on the movie Joss Whedon and the company have decided to change um, some of the bits of the stories mainly um, Cyborg's role and they're they're quoting it as kind of Cyborg was kind of like the silver surfer for um, Darkseid's Galactus kind of a herald heralding in, in, in this stuff and yeah, I mean, he's he's connected to the uh, the mother box. Mother box. So, yeah. And um and in this way, they kind of wanted to change a bit of that, um, give him a better a better story, and tie up the loose ends of instead of leaving the movie on a cliffhanger, directing uh, an ending where it kind of bookends the movie, and then you can easily see where the movie is going leading to, and then doing a separate movie about Darkseid. Um, so Steppenwolf is the complete bad guy with no lead-in of anyone else, and that's kind of where things have gone with it. Uh, even bringing in Robin Wright Penn from Wonder Woman um, back into the DC world to film a different, um, kind of setting up a different storyline within the movie itself. Who's Robert Wright Penn? Which, which- uh, um, she's she, Hippolyta. Oh, yeah. She, I, I didn't see Wonder Woman, but um, you may know her from the Princess Bride. It's Princess Buttercup. Yeah. Oh, General. She's the General. Yeah, she's the one that gets yeah. gets killed. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I didn't see it. Sorry. Um, okay. She's Artemis. Isn't she Artemis or no? No. Oh, okay, they I don't, don't call her so. Artemis. Okay. I don't remember. Again, I didn't see all the movies I wanted to. This. So. <laughs> um, um, I I'm kind of okay with them. Ending this, and I mean, I feel like this is more coming from Warner Brothers than it is Joss Whedon just coming in being like, "Okay, well, I'm going to do what I want now." Um, who knows what it has to do? Because it, not to be overly negative, but it sounds like 
Warner Brothers is still running into the problems with, okay, well, what are we going to do with Batman? <laughs> What's happening with Flash? Like, yeah, Wonder Woman 2 is a go. Aquaman's definitely a go. But after after that, we heard we're probably getting Suicide Squad number two, which isn't really going to affect uh, Justice League too much. Like, it, it, it can't find a director or writer for it. Uh, also, so I heard... I'm I'm okay with them put, like just putting like a period on this because like yeah like let them have that chance to figure out what they're doing before they try to segue into something else and then just have everything not work because just story wise tonally like continuity like they can't adhere to what they've already tried to set up. I think it's something too that Paul had mentioned in a previous thing is it sounds it seems like DC Warner Brothers. Uh, don't have a really a big set plan except for we need to do what Marvel did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like... Uh, and when, then whatever the audiences respond to right now. Yeah, exactly. So they, uh, oh, they responded, they, they seem to respond to uh, Suicide Squad, so we need to make things edgier and dark and da 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 And then it's like, oh, wait, they really responded to Wonder Woman. So what did they do there? Oh, they kept to the character... They kind of stayed the course, and they highlighted the goodness of that character and <laughs> being a hero. Oh, yeah, maybe we should stick to the character, <laughs> uh, showcase the character in a good light, and um, make a cohesive movie that makes sense. <laughs> uh, I have to say, I think one of the worst comic book movies is Batman versus Superman. Yeah. It is really awful. And I've I've defended a lot of bad DC Marvel movies mm-hmm. over the years. We all have. We've all yeah. like, hey, this is a shiny movie. I still moment. like the uh, Ben Affleck Daredevil. I, I oh, like that I, one. I like that too. Uh, I, I do. I do enjoy that. Um, every every Valentine's Day. But that Batman's Superman movie is just... It falls under its own weight of what they wanted to do with the universe. It feels like a worse version of Iron Man 2. Uh, All the reasons I didn't like Iron but Man also, 2. But also, you had like Iron Man 2, there is shining moments in it, mm-hmm. and especially with Robert Downey Jr.'s character, but the only thing anybody walks away from is uh, Ben Affleck was good as Batman, uh, uh, Jeremy Irons was good as Alfred, yeah. But by gosh, they didn't get Batman right. Mm-hmm. And well, you keep saying that name, such a bad enemy. And, and for me, like the like the Batman stuff was all like well and good. And it's like, yeah, it's a really dark and violent Batman. But you need to have a Superman that can kind of counterbalance that, and we don't get that. And that was my biggest complaint about Batman versus Superman. And then also coming out of uh, Superman, uh, Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. That was my biggest complaint about that one. It's like, okay, like this isn't the Superman that inspires hope. But then I felt like after that, it was like, no, like next time we see Superman, he's going to be a better character. Like he's going to be, he's going to be Superman. Yeah, because yeah, it's not we, called. We didn't have Superman. that. Like that's how I was able to defend Man of Steel. I was like, no, this is Cal L learning to become Clark Kent, learning to become Superman. Like this, <laughs> this is going to like set that path. Like. We're going to be good guys. We're going to be, and then I can never Batman versus Superman. I can never let anything like this happen. I have to be better. I have to mm-hmm. do all this. I can't just walk into uh, a Senate hearing 
not listening oh. for a bomb or using my x-ray vision or being better than anything else. And then also, hey, you're really fast. You could have at least saved one. He could have saved one person. Mm-hmm. But he just, he just lets everybody explode and then kind of stands there and be like, well, think it's Miller time. <laughs> you know, like it just. And sorry, not, not to completely uh, throw this off, but I will say Iron Man 2, because whenever we get around to rewatching and talking about that, I'm going to say the best part of that movie is actually, uh, oh, what's his name? Justin Hammer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sam. Sa- uh, Sam Rockwell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, Sam Rockwell and that beginning scene with Whiplash and the car race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's a solid movie. And, Paul, I I want to tackle your qualms with that movie uh, in a few episodes from now when we get around to yeah. rewatching it. And then, what what was the other news? Any other news? Oh, uh, there was also a rumor that now Wonder Woman will be appearing in the Flash movie, even though nobody knows what that Flash movie is going to be. Well, Except- th- well, they can't keep a director because every director they've hired, they've hired these people who is like, I love the fat Flash. I grew up on him. This is what the story should be. And then they go, "You're fired." <laughs> like, well, wait, no. What's getting me about DC versus? Marvel, and not to make this into a DC versus Marvel thing, but you can't argue with Marvel's track record when it comes to their cinematic universe. Marvel has Kevin Feige like heading everything up, like he's kind of like that go-to person. Even people that aren't in the nerd bubble can be like, "Oh no, Kevin Feige, he's like the head of things, right?" Mm-hmm. They know like there's someone kind of having a guiding hand on everything. DC has something like that with Jeff Johns, as he's like the head of. It's Jeff Johns, and then the person that was supposed to do that uh, from the studio side helmed the Harry Potter franchise. Yeah, I forget her name. Yeah, where are they in all of this? I don't think Jeff Johns, like, he's quote-unquote had his hand in some... Like, he's been a part of all of this since Green Lantern movie. How Mm -hmm. much of it is him being like, okay, no, this is the bare-bones notes of this character... Here you go. Here's like an outline of them. Here's the story beats, the character beats that lead up to who they are. Yeah. I, I feel like DC needs someone to just like oversee everything and be like, okay, what do we have on the docket? What are we working on? Okay, who's the right person to put yeah. on this? Who's the right person to write it? What's the right type of this? Like movie to be, and who's watching the dailies coming from the filming itself and being and giving notes back, being like, no, nope, just no, <laughs> you know. And that's like even to like tie this back over to like the Marvel Disney like Lucasfilm side of things. Look at what's happening with the Han Solo movie right mm-hmm. now. It wasn't working. People spoke up. They stepped in, and boom! Now we got Ron Howard on it. Okay. That that was the grumblings we heard about the movie. It all happened within a week where we heard, like, oh, no, it's in trouble. They, they're having issues. Oh, director left. Oh, we got a new director. Mm-hmm. Filming is normal. Yeah. That That's the drama for that movie. Like, we'll see what it works out to be when it actually releases next year. But everything that happens with DC, it seems to be, seems to be like movie wrecking almost. Yeah. Isn't Justice League supposed to be coming out this year? Next year. I thought it was November. 
how at this point. Yeah. Uh, well, it's this year, guys. I mean, depending on, right? like, how much they're doing for, like, reshoots and all that, I mean, it, it could be pretty far along because, I mean, you have everything. 2017, IMDb. November yeah. se- 2017, click for sound. How is this going to be done? This, we already had previews. Um, okay, just nerd nerd clawing it. I just went back and rewatched all of the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit movies and then watched all of the appendices and bonus features after the movies. They finished work on, I think it was Return of the King, like the day before they had to send out the final prints for the premiere. You can get this done, and you can deliver a solid movie. Well, they also had print. They shot all three movies all like at the same time for that like what eighteen month period. They said right, mm-hmm. and they all uh, and yeah. they all had time to go out and get matching tattoos. The the uh, okay, that was the cast though, yeah. not the people actually behind the scenes. And speaking. then yeah, and then Weta had a full like what three years to start doing the actual special effects and everything. Where this yeah, but the amount of amount of time it goes into making one of those scenes though and then i mean go but like i urge everyone just to go buy the extended editions on dvd they're probably like 20 bucks now just watch the extended editions and then watch the behind the scenes stuff and just how much work actually went into that because yeah it took three years to film all that but then it took even longer for them to do all that concept art like the uh animatics, the special effects, like it was down to the wire for everything. Mm-hmm. Even with like a team of people working on it all. Well they had to make that goddamn ghost army. Mm-hmm. Which is fucking dope. You keep them around. Handy in the battle. <laughs> You're gonna give us up your boats. What? Ghost army, take the boat You and which army? This army. Come on, John. Come on. Badass scene. Badass scene. He just starts. He just starts walking towards the boat, lifts up his sword, and then the ghost army appears behind him. Oh, so good, so good. I've been dying to rewatch those too. Uh, You know what else is really good? What else? Hopefully, the book's coming out this week. Mm, So many books coming out this week. Not really, but maybe. Uh, Chris, what are you looking forward to? I'm actually looking forward to an original graphic novel coming out from DC Comics. And this is part of their Earth One line. And I feel like we've read almost all of these now. And for the most part, enjoyed them except for the Batman one. Which is the the Batman Volume 2 is the one we, we haven't read. Yeah, we didn't read that one because we didn't really like the first one. Yeah. Um, but this is Teen Titans Earth One Volume 2. And this is written by Jeff Lemire with art by Andy McDonald. Not the actors from Groundhog's Day. Um, uh, the first Teen Titans, if I remember correctly, we we liked it, but it wasn't kind of on our top top of the list. It didn't beat out um, the Superman ones. Yeah, it just felt a little like they were trying, almost like Runaways, like they're bringing the team together, yet team was already... No. Yeah. Because it came out at the same time like they were relaunching Teen Titans, which seemed to be like the third time. So I don't even remember what their backstory is right now. It was well, pe- it, people like Teen Titans though. Mm-hmm. It it wasn't it wasn't bad. It just like to me it felt like it took too long. Like it was in a sense you already know the characters and it seemed like they were setting them up too much in the current like they were mm-hmm. current teens, quote unquote. 
Um, but that, that's really what the whole Earth One thing is, though, where it's taking the characters that you know, but then reimagining them for for the modern times. But it just feels like this has taken too long to come out. Because that was what um, two years ago. I have I have volume one here. Actually, I, just, I grabbed it off my shelf to see. You were in Michigan. He just moved to Michigan because we drove it was back in 2014, was, so three years ago. Yeah, I was living. I was living with Caitlin at that time. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I. But I mean, they, they do take their time with these. They just announced the Green Lantern Earth One Volume One coming out in 2019. Uh, and they and, they also mentioned the Wonder Woman Volume Two. And how long were we waiting on Wonder Woman Volume One? Seven years. Exactly. And then here, <laughs> Superman Earth One Volume Three. Superman came out in 2014 as well. Like, yeah. So, so they take their time with it, and I, I think regardless of what we think of the story, I mean, even the Batman one was written by Jeff Johns, um, art by Gary Frank. It still looked good. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the story was okay. It just didn't resonate with us. Um, I'm looking forward to Teen Titans. I liked Volume One a lot more. Um, than I thought I would, and a lot of it was just like the art was done by uh, Terry Dobson, so it was bright, really colorful. Um, this art, I have no thoughts on. Um, it's done by someone that I have no frame of reference for, so so we'll see, but you know what? It, it's a new trade paperback for me to actually go to the store and pick up, and that's kind of always exciting for me. Mm-hmm. And it might be your next trade in policy. Who knows? It, I actually it might would... be, if I... Uh, if I have a chance to pick it up and then see you guys so I can, like, pass it off and then we can record. Oh, we can... I I liked it enough and it set itself up enough for the sequel that I probably would... I would buy it. Because that's how we've kind of done these trades before is Paul and I have flipped who buys the the yeah. next trade. Because Chris is always buying them. They're like, I like it. I'd like to do it. And then we were like... All right, we'll buy it. You know, well, I didn't know you guys are buying them. So okay, maybe maybe this will be my uh, trading policy for. Like, if it's good, if you read it and you yeah. go, "I'd like to talk about it," then we will. Yeah, like if I like it and if nothing. But else if you like it today. and you hate it, and then we bought it, and then you're like, "Yeah, I didn't like it." I was like, "We'd be like, why'd you tell us to buy it?" Well, if I like it and hate it, I still might make you read it. I should, I'll just bring it to Buffalo next time I come up. <laughs> Actually, you'll be able to hand it off to John when he visits you on October. Yeah, that's and true. And then we'll read it for, for November. Yeah, we that's actually, your, that's that, your actual... That would be your peak. month to do it again. Yeah, uh, That's true. And Paul, what are you looking for? You know what? To? I'm so inspired by the Colonel Sanders of uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken after our great dramatic reading two episodes ago. I went out and got the Snickers presents uh, Jesse Quick versus Supergirl race across the uh, the country the world presented by Snickers and I'm like hey you know what they're they're cheesy there's a whole lot of product placement but they're kind of fun I kind of want something like in the similar vein uh, and there's actually two books that are like definitely sponsored material that are coming out this week. Uh, that I wasn't I wasn't aware we were coming out at all. Hostess Spider Man. Oh, that would be good. No, he died. That would be a good one too. Oh yeah. He's dead. <laughs> he dead. he died. That's right, he did die. But this is uh we had from three Floyds, the people that bring us the what Zombie King. Zombie Zombie Dust. Zombie Dust, Alpha King. Alpha But no, the that uh, dark 
that barrel-aged one oh. that everybody goes out. Dark Lord. Dark Lord. Dark, Dark Lord. Lord. And this seems so inspired by Dark Lord. Do they have an Alpha King beer? Yeah. That, I, that's what the book is, because it's named Alpha, Alpha King, King, buddy. Yeah. yeah. I know it's, it's, named, it's named Alpha after King. after him. I didn't know there was a beer named Alpha King. Yep. I've heard of Zombie Dust and Dark Lord, because we don't get three Floyds in this area. Uh, Alpha King, written by Brian Azzarello, with Nick Floyd, one of the three Floyds, I'm assuming. Uh, art by Simon, uh, Simon Beasley. Uh, this is coming out from Image Comics, but for $4, $3.99. This is something, too, that's been coming out for... Yeah, this is number four of five. It's like a- it's been coming out for a while. It's not monthly. I feel like it's every, it's, every like three, four months they come out with the next one. It's yeah. kind of like whenever they have time to actually get it done. I I almost so, I almost bought issue one, and then I was like, it was a big week, and then I it I, it, I don't think it's in my wish list because it's uh, like Meh. this seems like I a had book. number one on my on my uh, on my pull list, like whenever that was coming out. And I was, this probably isn't going to be very good, and I don't want to spend money for it. So I actually just never bought it. It's written by Brian Rezzarella, which leads me a little bit towards it, but I wouldn't buy this issue for. If issue one is now on sale for 99 cents... because or if it's you a, buy, like, Three Floyd's Beer and it comes with a code to download it. Exactly. Like, if it was... It feels like it's a big marketing thing anyways. Like, it's not tying into an actual IP that I actually want to know more about. Unlike uh, Disney Princesses number twelve, which is also coming out this week, uh, so this is a dual p- yeah, yeah. pick. You're wasting our time. Yes, I am. <laughs> I told you this during pre-show notes. I know, and you know what I thought? Well, you did this. Then you should have said it. Now shut He's up and listen. Our time. <laughs> this is also three ninety nine. Uh, I don't understand this at all because it looks like a collection of comic strips that probably got published someplace else, and we just did that with Droids Unplugged or Drugs Unleashed. Uh, for three ninety nine, so I okay, don't know. Okay, well, like like we did in the pre show, I guess this is my time to jump in and be like, "No, Paul, you're wrong." Wow, you just gave um, all the behind the scenes away. Yes, <laughs> as I meant to. I didn't want to waste any more time for John. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is actually all new material, and this book's been coming out for a while now. I bought the first issue, actually, like a physical copy, because at that time it was coming out from. I can't remember if it was like Boom Studios or like the Disney Comics line where it wasn't actually being offered digitally. Like you could only get physical copies of this. And it was the same thing as the um, Darkwing Duck number one that was being relaunched at that same time too. Uh, so I went I went to the comic book store and bought physical copies of this because I wanted to see it. And the Disney Princess book is actually all brand new material and it's a lot of short form, almost kind of like Sunday comic style strips where you might have, like, a one- or two-page story max. But everything else is all very much like, hey, here's a three-panel story about Sleeping Beauty. Set up, gag, resolution. Um, it's a fun read, and you said you kind of looked it up, and you could find, like, volume one of the trade for, for $9. Yeah, nine twenty-seven uh, on uh, on Amazon. So I'm kind of like... I, I think that's actually a great price. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have the writer and artist listed for this, but it's actually being done by Amy Meperson, who's an established comic book artist. Um, she actually created, I, I want to say it was, um, it was like a cartoon is either Winks or Totally Spies, like one of those two. They kind of at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but she's she's a Disney nerd. Like she's been in the company for a while doing comics and comic strips. Um, she's on all social media, Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, where she publishes call, uh, like one panel comics every week called Pocket Princesses, where it's just all Disney princesses kind of living together in a pocket, and they're done. No, just it's just like a pocket princess because it's pocket size. It's like one quick uh, panel. Okay. Like, hey, here's his out. Um, they're really fun. She has a respect for the characters and their stories, and she she's a fun comic artist. Uh, so I wholeheartedly recommend this book, even though you're just picking it to be like, ah, Blazing Scots, Alpha King, Snickers. Yep. Um, I feel like the Disney line of comics is and kind of reverential than that. Well, then, from your recommendation, I'm going to actually pick up uh, something that came out back in April, and this is Disney Princess. You're picking a third book? No, this is the one that I actually will buy. What? What? (laughs) I almost shook my my headphones off my head. This is the volume two of that Disney Princess comic book strip. Why would you get number two? Because it has Rapunzel in it. Number one doesn't have Rapunzel. Number two does. That's, That's what does it. That's why. Come on, John. Don't, don't, don't be like, come on, John. Like, I'm the I'm the crazy one here. About, I can respect talking about a book, but then be like, but I'm not going to pick that one up. This one said, you can't do that with two books, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> that's ludicrous. That's two, two, you live in a society. Two books, <laughs> John, Paul? What, yeah, what are you picking up, John? Uh, I will be picking up uh, Superman number 29. Are you going to hate read this? A minute longer part one uh what's really selling me on this is superman yelling wearing the yellow lantern costume on top uh the other thing that's selling me on this is pete tomasi writing it patrick gleason and then doug mankey and jamie mendez on art uh these issues now feature fear itself part one uh, and this is going to be these characters kind of returning to their roots with the Green Lantern Corps and asking the question, what scares Superman? Uh, it just something about it. I mean, I I don't know. I love Pete Tomasi. Mm-hmm. I've enjoyed stuff that he's written in the past. The cover kind of gets me with 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 Superman in that yellow suit. It like it mm-hmm. looks cool and I'm willing to check it out. What? I'm a sucker for some sometimes these Superman things. Prime. Yeah. Super, Superboy Prime was a Yellow Lantern. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, are we sure that's it, Superman, not Superboy it, Prime? Who knows? I love reading Superman Prime. Like, he's <laughs> such a shit. I like it. He's <laughs> such a shit. He is. Chris, what were you going to say? I'm not even a... Yeah, I'm not a big Superman fan, but you put Superman were Carol Ring, written by Pete Tomasi with Art by Pan. That's going back to our Green Lantern. That's that's a book that's just checking out, uh, and that's that's the reason uh, one of the reasons I'm doing it. Um, so yeah. I, uh, are, okay, quick question. Quick question. Yeah. Are you going to bring this uh, to the table for for the? Look I back? think it has to be a look. Oh back. yeah, I would, like, I would read this. It's mm-hmm. definitely a look back. Definitely. Okay, because that my way of asking was like, are you actually going to buy this? Yeah. I would read it. Yeah. No. Uh, most of the. I, at this point in my life, when I bring up a Rando book, a book for this, I usually buy it 
if I read it and it's awful, I don't bring it to the group unless it's really bad. If I buy it and I don't read it and then I put it for the list, it's because I haven't read it yet. Uh, I, I will versus, say whenever I see you buy a book that's the number one, I do download it because I'm like, oh, we'll probably wind up talking about this, but... <laughs> I've downloaded so many books I've never read because you've never actually submitted it uh, yeah, or uh, looked back. Because they're usually not good. <laughs> when I can't finish it or I walk away from it, like, man, that was bad. Where were you on that rule with the girl who walks alone at night? Walks home alone at night. Oh, alone. that was... That that was like a combination movie fix. Comedy. Yeah. It well, was, the thing, too, it was, one, it was man. a topic. Listen, guys... We have sometimes we struggle for topics on these shows. Oh, we'll wait until next week. We're struggling again. Uh, but it was one of those things like, hey, this was a comic book. This was a comic book that came out with for the movie, kind of a tie-in mm-hmm. thing that that we did. And I read the comic book first, and I liked the comic book, so I expected to enjoy the movie. The movie was not good. See, I, I think I watched the movie before I read the comic book, and I think I liked the movie a little bit more. No, none of us liked the movie. I kept every. Oh, okay. The only good remember. thing about the it's movie was that I kept on seeing Ranjit and going, Ranjit! From How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> I think but I watched the movie that, in Fast Forward, too. Yeah, it was, well, you kind of needed to. That, that episode was one of the ones where we had show notes going to. So if you just search for A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night or whatever it was called, mm-hmm. You'll probably find it. And listen, AMC is going to come out with their bullshit 100 scary movies or horror movies again. And most of them are going to be crap and bad. Like The Tenant. Like The Girl That Walks Home Alone at Night. Or Walks at Night Home Alone. Whatever it's called. Home Alone probably doesn't actually line up. Because that would be confusing. Uh, Why have we not had like Home Alone comic books spinning out of the movies? We got Back to the Future. We got Power Rangers. Mm Mm-hmm. Just, just skip those. Skip those. I, I would read Home Alone number one. Probably no, nothing else. But. Mm-hmm. And speaking of something to skip, uh, perhaps our next beer, Paul. Oh. Uh, I had talked to Chris and I said, hey, buddy, uh, we're both going to be able to do the DKML. What else are you buying? And he said a black IPA. I didn't think I had any on my shelf until I yeah. found... This Goose Island beer out of their variety pack, and this is Koi Wolf. This is a unique hopped ale with notes of caramel, citrus, and pine. I believe we are drinking this too warm. Yeah. Uh, so instead of speaking about this awful oh, beer, what? let's talk about New Belgium's new pumpkin beer. Uh, last year, their pumpkin beer was pretty good with pumpkin. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was a cranberry pumpkin beer, which was, to me, it was pumpkin light. It wasn't uh, the big alcohol and the big flavors, but a really enjoyable beer. This year, they have their Voodoo Ranger, which is their IPA, and this is their Atomic Pumpkin. This is an IPA brewed with um, cinnamon and um, habanero chili peppers. And Paul... You and I enjoyed the cinnamon beers. That is full cinnamon spice. This is really good. And mm-hmm. I was worried about the chilies. And the chilies just give a nice warming, warming on the back of your tongue. Okay. Uh, yes, you yeah, I thought we swore off drinking chili beers. Yes. But I wanted an excuse to try this because I do need to know what it tastes like to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So this was my 
anytime I add cinnamon to a recipe, I always want to add a little bit of spice to warm up that chili flavor, to warm up the cinnamon flavor. And this has just enough spice to make that cinnamon seem warm and alive. Because sometimes when you add cinnamon, it's it's just a muted dead flavor, and spice sometimes helps, you know, liven it up. And sometimes you do that accidentally, and you put it in an apple pie, and people think they are getting some sort of weird mouth disease. When that was a spicy apple pie, when you do that, I um, liked it though. I, I liked it too as well. Um, I, I, you know, sometimes it, it takes a balanced hand when adding spices. I do not have that balanced hand. I'm like the sheriff from Blazing Saddles. Uh, I gave this beer. When I heard they weren't doing Pump Kick and they were doing this, I gave it a little bit of shit, but I also was like, you know, it's New Belgium. They're going to probably make a really good beer. I can't wait to... Uh, what did you do, Paul? I'm just like, my leg's been itchy uh, uh, and... Uh, and you're bleeding? I must have like a ton of bug bites on my oh. leg, because everywhere I itch, I'm bleeding. So. See, I... I don't have that problem because I don't react to bug bites. Oh, Drinks be- more cinnamon. It's, it's my mutant beer. power. I can't wait to drink this beer in the fall. Mm-hmm. This is oh, this is a perfect. This is yeah. a perfect fall day. Uh, I'm raking. I'm raking the leaves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna be buying a six pack of this and holding on to it um, just to drink in the fall Freaking weather. August. It, it's August. It's August, but Ichabod's coming out. It is warlocks out. Can you get Ichabod there now? No, no, but it's out. Okay. It's out. I you know what's not Facebook. out in New York? Warlock. It's out in Florida. It's not out <laughs> it's here. It's out now. in Florida too. Yeah. This is really good. Uh, Voodoo Ranger, their special release with Atomic Pumpkin. This is our new cinnamon beer, Paul. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because Dark of the Moon. Dark of the Moon. I mean, we got it they, fell off. They well, they gave a year old version. They didn't do oh, a yeah. new one last year. Uh, who knows if they're going to do it again? This is really good. Mm-hmm. It's the perfect amount of heat. You're not chugging it. This yeah. is something, like you said, around a fire pit or just sitting out on an autumn day, like on the front mm-hmm. porch, relaxing. Dusk, taking night falling, taking a couple sips. Fireflies of this. are at the la- at their peak. But it's just before it's too cold for them just to mm-hmm. like die and yep. fall to the ground. Oh. This is a good beer of the fall. Why can't it be fall twenty four seven? I know. Uh, if it or was 365, sweat- I if should it was, say. If it was sweater weather all year round, I'd love it. Mm-hmm. You know? High 50s. I don't get sweater weather like one day out of the year now. Hey, uh, where hey. we went to visit you, that was sweater weather. Was, and we were not prepared. It was, okay. Okay, it was that, pretty shitty. That was the exception. <laughs> uh, yeah, we were told in that bar, welcome to our winner. <laughs> uh, and I was all like gun Kobe and like, I'm from Buffalo. I can handle any kind of cold you guys got. And I was freezing. <laughs> well, we were also wet and cold. Yeah. But, Chris, are you drinking a black IPA? I am also drinking a black IPA, and this is from Big Storm Brewing Company out of Tampa, Florida. I had two of their beers a month ago, um, and I I bought this because I saw a black IPA on the shelf, and I was like, holy crap, those don't exist anymore. Let me get this. Um, really malty on this one. It's 5.8%, but... Uh, this is the brewery that puts what you should pair this beer with on their labels, and it's kind of like ridiculous stuff. Um, this one says ale pairs with biscuits and gravy, still and cheese, and chocolate truffles. So not quite out there. Um, this is really malty. 
it's a lot more malty than I kind of like on my <clears throat> black IPAs. I kind of like more hop on mine. Mm. Um, it's not bad. It's it's very full. Um, this is like a black as night kind of beer. A lot of malt on it, and then you kind of get a little hot bitter on the back. Kind of like it coats like the tip of your tongue. It's not bad, but it's it's so hard to think of a black IPA that I love that's not the Ithaca 14 because that's kind of like my go-to yeah. black IPA beer now. Not bad, but if I need a black IPA, I guess I could drink this, but it wouldn't be my go-to if there were more available. I also liked you know, Otter Creek, which no longer does their black IPA. And also the uh, Heavy Seas Cannonball black IPA was good. Yeah, I, I might be able to find Heavy only... Seas, so I haven't actually looked. I don't even think they make that beer. Uh, it was it was black IPAs were that fall, late summer, early fall, like seasonal yeah. like thing for two years straight, and then they just have disappeared again. For some reason, they didn't catch on, but I loved them. I loved black IPAs. I miss them. When I find one, I I definitely always try to buy it because it is so good. Except for the times that we get the stop and say hello from uh, Goose. Koi Which wolf. is depressing because well, it's, man. Not, it's not called stop and say hello. Well, it's that's what I was reading on the back of the label. Oh. I was killing time as I twisted the label around. Uh, much how we like to kill time with a section uh, coming up, right, Chris? And now, Bagging Board presents a dramatic reading from KFC Cross the Universe, number three, page five, panel one. I, I say, I say, I say. Now, no, that's what this is all about. My Zynga chicken sandwich is already famous around the world. I aim to make it. I'm aim to make it. I aim to make it universal from the top to the bottom, all the way around the universe. Famous. Now that we've tested, test fired it into orbit, the Zynga's gonna bring that kind of joy to more folks. I said, I said. To more folks than ever before. Mmm. Can you tell me to pick more cotton and then finish it with that mmm? <laughs> I wish I had had more books available in my comic book <laughs> before I picked a dramatic reading from KFC Across the Universe, number three, page five, panel one. <laughs> Don't look at me with those eyes. <laughs> He just stops and he's just staring at me. I'm like, that was dramatic, right? That was dramatic. That was extra <laughs> dramatic. I wanted to sell the Zinger sandwich because... That you didn't. Is... You made me never want to eat a Zinger sandwich again. I've never had one, so I, I don't know. But oh, they sound delicious. Much better than the double down. Ugh, double down sandwich. This seemed like wrong idea. That was the chicken sandwich sandwich yeah, between two chicken, chicken sandwiches. Chicken. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Not, not even chicken sandwiches. There was no bread involved. It was just mm-hmm. chicken between fried chicken. Mm-hmm. I think it was just it was, a t- it was what you would put on top of a chicken sandwich between two pieces of chicken, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. I don't think they had an extra piece of chicken. There wasn't three pieces of chicken. It was two pieces of chicken with like your ham and Swiss or whatever. I think with bacon or something. But you know what is, uh... You know what is dramatic? <laughs> yeah. Our trade and policy. Yeah. Um, this is, like we said at the beginning of the show, Vision Volume 2, 
a bit better than a beast or a little bit better than a beast. I can't recall the actual title for it because it's really long. Um, but it is a line that they actually pulled from the book, which is pulled from The Merchant of Venice. Um, this is written by Tom King, art by, I'm blanking on his name again, Michael Walsh. Yes. Is that it? Yeah, I yep. believe so. Yes. Um, we actually read volume number one a couple months ago for my trade and policy for the list. And it, I really enjoyed it. You guys were kind of eh about it. But it led to a really good discussion. So here we are talking about volume number two. Yeah, the first one seemed plotting. I wasn't sure where where they were going. I was uncomfortable for most of it because you know they're androids. They're or synth, I'm sorry, synthesoids, uh, and they just seemed like they were a fam- They were created to be a family, which seems wrong. You know, you shouldn't. Nobody should be created. No sentient life should be created to fulfill a certain one specific purpose. Right, like, because as soon as that happens, they should automatically rebel against that one certain purpose and find their own way. And here, you never got that. That wasn't the story, but I kept on assuming it was going to be that story. Well, you did have that with a little bit with the vision remembering about his past and Ultron saying, "Don't question me. You're supposed to follow yeah, me." Yeah, yeah. In, and in him, volume two, here, in him saying, "No," uh, but this is supposed to be. This is supposed to. Chris explained it the best when we read that. Tr- first trade and paul and i both found it a grudge to get through uh slightly boring we didn't connect with it at all and it took till chris was explaining it for the podcast saying like no i tom king said this is like his twilight 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 zone um take on like vision and when he when that was said it clicked in my head and i liked it more and those initial feelings of oh my gosh I had a slog through this this is yeah, Chris's because- this is Chris's Paul's pick uh, <laughs> changed in my head and that's I- right listeners you just heard John yet again using my name <laughs> as a uh, disparaging uh, verb it's it's but Paul Paul if anybody has picked the the worst trades to read for the trade and policies <laughs> I've picked classics and also I've picked Habibi. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Nothing great. <laughs> You're on a losing battle here, buddy. <laughs> uh, it 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 changed within me what this is supposed to be, and I saw it in a different light. And by by our discussion about mm-hmm. that book, it changed the way I view I viewed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I came into volume two with a whole new light on this book. And this book, the second volume, I think is even better than the first. Right. From the start of second volume two, where it's actually going through the relationship of Vision and Scarlet Witch, I'm like, oh, this is what he's been exploring since volume one. Like this trying to idea of family and creating a family. This is what that story's been trying to tell. I didn't get that connection. In volume one. In volume one. But with volume two, See, the with- first one was very family based, and I feel like this one kind of lost it because it was more branching out into the rest of the Marvel universe. Which I mean, based on kind of like the cliffhanger from the first one, where it's like tease as like, no, like the vision's going to to lead to ruination. Like, mm-hmm. We need to get everyone together to stop him. This one, like as soon as it started to branch out a little bit more, it kind of lost me, but. I, I like that more family dynamic a little bit better, kind of having a little bit more insular. Yeah, 
if it were comp- if it stayed insular and was that Twilight Zone episode, I think it would have worked. But it's Marvel, so it kind of has to branch out and be a Marvel book because they don't have Elseworlds. They don't even have the Ultimates line anymore. So every story has to quote unquote matter. It seems. So when we in- got introduced in Volume Two with the that first issue of the backstory with him and Scarlet Witch. I'm like, oh, okay, this is that character retrospective. It's that character examination. And that's what's getting played out through these, what, 12 issues? Or is it 18? However many uh, issues that ends up being. I think it's probably about 12. I don't think it's like that uh, many. I think it's like 10, isn't it? Aren't, aren't these like five, five, five? five books per... And whatever it means, I'm like, okay, this is an interesting character examination from this viewpoint. I didn't, from volume one, I never clicked with that viewpoint. Uh, I just have to say that overall, after that, after that first issue, I'm like, oh, okay, I got it. I'm, I'm good now. I'm happy to read this. From then on, this book is freaking depressing. It yeah. made me so... Because it's about characters that are latching on and trying to hold on to something that is slipping through the fingers the more and more they try to hold on to it. That's what I liked about it. It's it just hurt my heart the whole time because I want to believe that you can. It's a superhero book. You are superhero. If anybody should be able to hold on to something, it should be these char- you know those characters. But this is also and it's them failing. It's it's not like a it's not a superhero, but it's someone yeah, who's say, you can't call this a superhero book. This is someone who it's somebody who's grasping initially is grasping at straws. And he wants it to work so hard, but the fact is, is they are, they are human. They made these choices and everything doesn't align. And that's life. Life isn't perfect. Mm -hmm. Life isn't gonna just be the wish come true. And because, because of the fact that they are superheroes, that's where the grasp is lost. That's you know it's it's um, the Reaper coming in that that ruined this family and put everything askew. It was because he was part of the superhero community that his life fell apart, and and I think that's kind of the thing. And I mean the the most human person in this book is Vision's wife. The guilt yeah. that she couldn't mm-hmm. do the the guilt that her son was killed. All those moments. I didn't find this book depressing. I, it's it's kind of depressing. I it, in a way, but at the, I don't know. At the same time, I was still looking at this as a Twilight Zone episode. Right. Like, yes, it's got a more it's got a moral compass. This book, mm-hmm. but I I didn't find it as depressing. I just saw it as a you know it's just it's 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 human nature. It's human right. nature drawn. I want to rebut one thing and i'm sorry chris because this is your book and i feel like you should be talking about it more uh because these are synthesoids that are making the exact right decision for that purpose like they see the purpose they see what they want the end result to be they make that calculated choice like she makes it and no matter even if you make the right decision no matter what you're screwed at the end it sucks but here's yeah, the I thing feel is, like I feel like this story is telling me, hey, best intentions, no matter what, 
even if you had perfect knowledge and you made that perfect decision and you eat the flower that tells you the future and you know what's going to happen and you still have you have to do these certain things because otherwise you're screwed and you're still screwed no matter what you do it's depressing but i mean her the 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 first poor choice she did was in volume 1 where she covered up the attack and killed yeah. she to protect her mm-hmm. children she killed the reaper and then covered to protect her family to co- and then covered up and that's where she broke mm-hmm. and that's so like literally she literally yeah. broke yeah. because after that she starts repeating word, uh, verbs she starts repeating and in that i mean in and in doing that this the the vision book isn't about vision mm-hmm. it's about uh victoria it is a little bit about vision because even at the end spoilers uh he says that i'm going to go to the authorities and correct what you said about you rewriting my programming because he lets it all happen but he's also been tampered with by her yeah. does at that point like she was in like messing with his core programming it seems wait no at that scene when they're talking it seems like he says no I'm going to go to the authorities because and correct that thing because I don't think she ever did mention I don't think she could have or she did actually mention no because they kept showing no, her he, in he his head like he said he's going to like correct her over embellishments because mm-hmm. all of her statements are very much just reflecting like how she goes in feeling and the decision she made based off of that so he's going to go in and give like the straight facts are we sure that he's not saying that he's going to come out and basically say that is there anything else in the story that actually says that she wrote overwrote his core programming other than that confession because i took that panel of him being like hey i'm going to go back and tell him that you never did yeah, when, like, said, the, because like, he says he lies. He, Vision says that he knows he's lying, and he's lying. He, and he's lying. To exactly. Yeah, family. but but the thing he's is, is in choice. other other things, it in the book it says he always tells the truth. That is the thing about Vision is he always tells the truth. That's why they're showing him say, uh, "I'm not your father. I'm not your father. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not this thing. You you know." These kids aren't real. They're showing you that he always tells the truth, mm-hmm. and now he's lying. Why is he lying? Because his brain has been corrupted. She's tampered with him mm-hmm. to always kind of protect her, and that's why he says those things of, no, this isn't, I will amend these things, because mm-hmm. she's already tampered with his brain to say that he's amended these. That's, I mean, that's how okay. I read it. Okay. Yeah. I read the same way. Yeah. I, I read it in a different But then way. also, again, like it goes back to that kind of like one-shot issue almost at the beginning with the Vision and the Skull Witch's relationship where you kind of see the rift growing between them. But then also the Vision just, like, he cares about her, he wants to be with her, but ultimately it just doesn't work out. But then she supplies him with almost like the matrices to be with someone who's like her, <laughs> and which I is think- what bases like Virginia off of. And then... When you're reading that, and then you kind of think back to just like what happened in the Marvel universe with the Scarlet Witch, where she tried to destroy and ruin everything to bring back and like protect her her children. Like mm-hmm. it makes sense when you look at 
Virginia through that filter. Yeah, through the Scarlet Witch filter. Yeah, and that, yeah. and that's what I mean. That's what I really liked about this volume even more than Volume One. I think Volume One, knowing, having reviewed it and having that conversation as friends, mm-hmm. and having my eyes wide into what the story is about, and then getting this that first issue with with that flashback of Vision and her and their whole life of Wanda and him together. I mean, the rest of the book just just sang to me. It just, Mm -hmm. okay, yeah, nope, this is what it would do. Oh, okay, this is why Vision would do this. This is why these things happened. And ultimately, when I look back upon the whole volume, I'm, I'm, both volumes, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised how much I enjoyed it and how well it was written and done. Uh, The the big part of this volume for me was like the second issue of it where they bring in Victor Mancha, the mm-hmm. character from Runaways, who was also created by Ultron. Yeah. That Vision kind of looks at as a brother and has his kids, like kids call them like, oh no, like this is your uncle. And then just kind of how familial they are with Victor being a little bit more human about things while um, Vision's still definitely just like the synthesoid. Like he's mm-hmm. Still very robotic, logic driven. Um, but at this point, the Avengers and like the heroes of the Marvel Universe have been made aware that Vision's a threat. We we need to like be aware of what's going on, and take him out. And the Avengers actually send Victor in as kind of like a pseudo spy, well, just a spy, not mm-hmm. pseudo spy, uh, to report what's happening in the Vision household. And that's kind of where this book really started to get me. Um, because I love me some runaways. If you've listened to this podcast at all, you know, like, that's kind of like my go to, like, wow, like, here's something fresh coming into the Marvel Universe. So using those characters anywhere else kind of always makes me take note. Mm-hmm. And Victor's kind of one of those characters that fell off of the table after his initial appearance. Um, like, I legit forgot he existed until he popped up in this, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, he was created by Ultron. That would make these characters brother. Um, and that, that's kind of what got the, the hooks in me. While I didn't like it branching out from like the family drama, Victor was kind of a good stepping stone for it to step into that larger um, Marvel universe. Yeah. Victor is one is the character in this book, along with the Vision, where I'm like, I don't like where this leaves these two characters. Mm-hmm. I like where they leave it with, uh, what's the uh, android girl's name? Oh, Viv. Yeah. Viv. Because she's a much interest, she's a much more interesting character now. Um, I, I agree, and like she's a tragic like, character. I about but... her in Champions before we read any more of Vision, because we had read Vision number one for a look back, like right when this issue came out, um, and then after that, like they, this whole book kind of fell off the table until we read Champions, and I was like, oh, and and Viv's in here, like okay. Yeah, uh, I kind of want to go back and like revisit Champions because I haven't kept up on it. Yeah, uh, yeah, because Viv is a very interesting character who is who is striving to be, get above everything that she's experienced. Where well, also, I think at this like in Volume Two here, with you're getting a lot more depth into who they are and how they deal with everything that's happening around them. Like, yes, we know Vision's trying to play dad and keep everything together. Um, we saw Virginia fall apart in volume one with her trying to keep everything hidden and 
literally like bury her secrets. Um, and we see Viv start to fall apart with the death of her friend, but in this one, like just seeing where everyone's at, like it does make it a lot more human. Mm-hmm. With Viv, it, it, she's the one character that I'm actually more interested in coming out of this book where vision I'm like, I do not want to be left alone with this creepy grass creeper No, because he's there rebuilding his wife again. He is Dr. Well, okay. He is Dr. Frankenstein. At this now, spoilers for the end of the book. Now, when you see him rebuilding Virginia, he's also singing row, row, row your boat, which was her song. So I'm wondering if when she like shared her, memories with him if she somehow like superseded his programming where now like she's kind of in his brain mm-hmm. to always need to be downloaded to a new form um like like, John. it's it's like that wolf waiting in the wings at that point john's like as he's playing as john is playing with his phone he's goes like ultron got john. i'm not listening to everything you guys said and i don't want to interrupt too much stuff but it is very ultron-y mm-hmm. no it is um, and then what they did with uh, the Runaways character, Victor, you know, being a drug addict, you know, with the vibrarium, I'm like, oh man, ah, yeah. oh, he's just so sleazy at this point. Like he's well, it's it's at that point though. It's like because Chase from Runaways shows up, and then I was like, no, like I realized whenever my stuff was having issues, like if I would have it by vibranium, it would start to level out. And then when Victor asked him, was like, oh, like well, whatever came that. Oh, well, after being around it, it started to act all wonky, and like it wouldn't work anymore. So I got rid of it. <laughs> like it just it and, makes you feel bad for him because like you have like a coping mechanism for this character that just it doesn't seem sleazy at that point. But you realize like oh no, like Victor's no. kind of ruining himself by finding something to help him get through like this almost like cybernetic pain that he's in. Yeah, where he's basically like becoming addicted to painkillers at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's and, he's a drug addict, and he's also saying like, "Well, it's I'm not really a drug addict because it's not like I went looking for it; it just happened, and it yeah. was there." Therefore, and he's smashing the piano apart to get more vibranium, and he's just can't control himself anymore, and he ends up killing Vin, and it's just so, and the dog dies, and everything's shitty, and the world. Just like no matter what you want to do, no matter how hard you try, no matter how much good work that you put in, it's all gonna fall apart and life is shit. Welcome to life. <laughs> That's life, buddy. I I think it's a it's a great moral compass of like a sci fi story, which sci fi stories should be telling. It's a black mirror sci fi story. Yeah, you know, and it and I think it, it does a great job of just yeah, they're are they as human as a human, yeah, they are. Look at look at everything in this book shows that uh, about them. Mm-hmm. The the mother overprotecting, wanting to protect her children, what she would do to protect her family, what the father would do to protect her family, what someone like uh, someone who has a deep hearted pain in their soul because of what, what they, they were born out of. Mm-hmm. And how that damages someone, and how they find a substance to take away that pain. Like all of this stuff is just—it's—it's it's human. Mm-hmm. And that it goes back to what Vision says to Scarlet Witch when he's talking to her, and he's like, "I don't want to be more or better than everyone else. I want to be like everyone else." And yeah, like he created a human family. They might not have been physically human, but 
they all have their shortcomings. They all have their aspirations, and it, it ruins them. It li- it literally ruins his family. Uh, and I didn't like. I don't know. I didn't see this as a, a depressing story. I saw this as a a human story. You know, and I don't know. It's, it's depressing. Yeah. <laughs> it, Victor, Victor gets his heart ripped out. It's depressing because. But it's I saw a that struggle. as a mother's revenge. Like you it's know, a like, struggle it's to but, keep. But also, like at the same time, like it's Virginia's revenge, but also frees Vision from what everyone fears he's going to become, because that would have led him down the path to be the ruin of like the Marvel universe. Because he can take apart the Avengers. Like Virginia even says so. Like he's the skills and the ability to do so. Yeah, but he he saw that he killed something that was alive. Like he was in jail because he believed he should be in jail. You know, that's Vic, Victor was there because he felt that he deserved to be there. And even in that, well, Victor of, was also Victor was there to like keep him safe. I don't at think, that point the vision, like vision knew like what was going to be going on, like that Victor had, taken out his kid and you know the the dog at that point they were trying to keep all that covered up they were i feel like they were keeping him more sequestered like he was in protective custody at that point i think in a way he he definitely was in some type of protection custody but i think as that character has been shown through this he felt that he deserved to be there he is something someone with a conscience and he might have not known his own power, but he felt that he deserved to be imprisoned. That he needed to be mm-hmm. punished. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not disputing that fact at all. But also, I feel like they were just at that same point. Like that's why they had that um, that force field up. Yeah, and I and I and there's definitely a reason why. Vision agreed to that force field to begin with. But uh, ultimately, I think Volume 1 and 2, going into it, knowing exactly what it was supposed to be written as, I think this is an A, this is an A uh, book. Um, the, the, the series as a whole, I think it was done in, uh, in the light that they were trying to do this. And you take away the superhero stuff, um, I think it was done masterfully. I think this is a really good series. This is a great series. This is something that really is not just your normal cookie-cutter book. I don't think I'd recommend this to just anyone, but I think it was extremely well done, and I give this uh, I give it a thumbs up. I, I really think... You know, you shouldn't be walking away from this not feeling something right. uh, depressed or. What did you feel? How, you're saying it's not a depressing book. Do you feel uplifted? Because this one made, no, yeah, this no, made I, me. This was. Uh, reading this no, book. There's no silver lining to this book. Reading this book, it made me. It made. This book was constantly asking me to pay it a pound of flesh. It kept on asking me to open up a vein for it. Like, that's what I. That's the emotion it was drawing for me. I don't understand how you can sit there and be like, eh, it's not depressing. What no, did it I make you feel it, then? I, I, I didn't feel too much of it. I just saw it as a 
this is a, a human experiment. Is something that yes, this is human. This is how people feel. This is how you were able to stay above it. I don't. I, I was working on a master's in psychology. Like okay. I see these things, um, just is how people are. <laughs> you know, like you. I don't know. I don't want to say like I. I. Um, I see people to their core. Okay. The one thing is like we had this we had this worker at work who was a real piece of shit. And I always just said, like, well no, she's gonna she's gonna be the worst example of what a human can be. And she always was. And when I say that, people are always like, You're such an asshole, you're this or that and then when she was those moments, people are like, Oh, John's always John's kinda of right. Like she was the worst example you could be. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of just – I just see people as what what they are, and I saw these characters as what they were supposed to be, and they played out the role that they were doing in this world. And be it as human as possible because when you break it all down, everybody is textbook. You're not like as unique as you think. When you act a certain way, it's been documented. You're going to continue to act this way, right. and when you break that programming – it's actually really amazing that you do that. Uh, my father came out of an extremely abusive uh, household. And for a long time, uh, I didn't know my grandparents or my that side of my family until I was 11 years old. And he could find a spot to forgive. But my father worked extremely hard not to have any of that stuff ever happen to my sister and I. And he broke that programming where – my some of my cousins and my his my aunts and uncles didn't break that programming and for him to come through everything he has done completely unscathed and to say completely unscathed i mean the guy's been married <laughs> twice uh he's got a really crappy dog but <laughs> he's got a great pool he's got his oh man any pool is a great pool <laughs> as long as it's not green and, and full of algae but he's come an amazing way and to, to see him and to know the heartache and everything that that man's been through, and even for me, for yeah. coming from a divorced family, and everything that has happened to me through my life, I'm not following that programming. I'm not dating a woman who's like my mother, or because I've dated a lot of girls, I didn't marry the one that mm. gave me the most grief. It's the woman who gave me the most pleasure. Mm. And my father has always... Married the woman that gave him the most grief. You know, like all these things are small human interactions. And when you can break the pattern of these things and step outside of the formulaic of this is your personality, Paul, you're the over, you're, you break the pattern because you're the middle child who's the overachiever. Well, out of your out of your okay. family, you you it's are, easy when you have brothers like that. <laughs> yeah, but but That's really, true. you are the over you are the overachiever of your basically. Of your I also married very well, <laughs> but like you you break that programming, you know. Like, but when you break everything down, people are textbook how they are going to react. You can pinpoint those things. It was one of those classes in college that made me really want to go in psychology. When in an alcoholic uh, abuse counseling session, the teacher asked a few questions, asked of the, the people who he asked the questions in the group, he said, do you mind if I talk to you about this in front of everyone? And he was able to take this person's life completely apart and that person agree. And he basically said, read the chapter. 
you are this chapter. You know, like mm-hmm. those kind of things. This this is human. This is Tom King knowing exactly how to structure this out of a textbook, basically. Mm-hmm. And I think he's extremely well done. I, it touches me. I think that that looking at Tom King, he nailed humans in this book by telling a story about robots. Right. right. Um, I. I I kind of want to take everything that you just said and how it wasn't depressing because that's what humans are. And yes, this is a book about robots wanting to be human, but then kind of tie that into what Paul's saying. I was like, no, this book was depressing because it's a superhero book. And you think of superheroes as trying to be more than human. Su- yeah. This is human. like the opinion. This is what, you know, humanity should be. And I'm going to go back even further uh, way back to the beginning of this episode with the list, where we were talking about Superman versus Batman again, and Man of Steel, where it's like, no, we want Superman to be that inspiration. You want him to be that hope for the world that shows, like, no, he's not human, but he shows what humanity can be. Like, he can rise above that. And I I kind of went into the same way that Paul did, where it's like, no, you're seeing a superhero create a family of what should be like-minded beings that want to raise humanity up. They want to protect the world. The Vision has saved humanity 37 times. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> or 36. Uh, it, it, I thought it was 37. Nah, no, 30, no, it's 37, but he's like, eh, 36, maybe 37. Okay, yeah. 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 Uh, it's a running gag. So I, I see that like, exactly where Paul's coming from. It's like, where it's, no, this is a person that's trying to push everything more to the lighter side of things. Yeah. Like, he wants his family to be more, to be like him, to be that pinnacle of accomplishment. Mm -hmm. But then humanity is what drags him down, which is what I feel like makes it depressing. It's because like, no, they, they should be more. And you can say the same thing for people. Like it's sad when you can see potential in somebody, but they fail to either realize it or pursue it. That's, that's depressing. Uh, it, I feel like it's it's a big picture to try to shrink down into the 140 pages, whatever, of a comic book. But I, I think that's what makes this worth a look. And while I didn't like this one more than Volume 1, I feel like I liked Volume 1 because it it did set us on this path. It did get us talking about it. And if we had read this all as like a oversized, like limited series, like in one shot, um, I probably would have came out of it a little bit more pro division. But as it is, like I still really love this book, but separating them into two separate parts, volume two, I feel like didn't strike me as much as volume one did. I, I, I can't separate the two out between each other because if you read volume one, you kind of have to read volume two because it is the complete story. I would never recommend this book to anybody, but I'm happy. I'm not happy that I read it, but I'm. <laughs> it's I'm not, it's, that, it's I, that dark reflection upon myself that realizes that I will never leave anything permanent on this world. Like, the best I can do is try to make the people that I interact with slaves a little better to make it a little easier for everybody that I work with and not be a dick to anybody. Like, you know, that's what I strive for. That's but here's it. the thing. That's to all be I a can dick strive to for. somebody is it's human nature. I like you can't, that way, you, you but know. the thing is, is you're always going to rub somebody the wrong way. I know. And even in our friendship for being mm-hmm. friends for 16 years, I said, it's not a, 
you know, this book is not a Paul pick, and I was a dick to you. And, I mean, that's that's our relationship between, you know, the three of us and why we kind of do this is because we can rip on each other, but that's other people's relationships with their friends. And I don't know exactly where my point was going, but, like, to, to, to speak about this book, I am not a Vision fan. I have had no thoughts about Vision or there's been moments in Vision's in comic books that I've been like, oh, hey, wow, great vision. I looked at this as the Twilight Zone thing of an android creating a family so perfect that it actually is a human family and how everything falls apart and how they're grasping for things. And then knowing human nature, (laughs) I saw this as a great reflection of that, a great sci-fi story. And sci-fi stories used to be that reflection of, you know, humankind and... I think that this is extremely well done. I I wouldn't recommend this to everybody. This isn't your Johnny Come Lately, but someone who um, maybe watches um, the 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 BBC series Black Mirror, which those are mm-hmm. like the kind of retelling, not retelling, but in the same realm of Twilight Zone and um, Close Encounters, not Close Encounters, uh, 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 Outer uh, Limits, Outer, Outer Limits. Limits. Thank like you, Chris. if you are a fan of those shows. This is something that you would get. And I think mm-hmm. when Chris said it was that, it clicked in my head and I looked at it in a new light. And that's why I didn't have those feelings. I just saw this as human interactions, what somebody would do to protect their family and, and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's. But then a, ultimately fail at it. Yeah, because you are going to. I mean, what does the well, Buddha say? Okay, the, the book might be called Vision, but would, if you look at it from that perspective, like what someone might do to protect their family, look at Vision's wife, Virginia. Like, she's mm-hmm. the one that, that makes was the there decisions. to protect her family. Like, Vision just wanted to kind of keep things status quo. Like, he wanted them to wake up in the morning, they have breakfast together, kids go to school, he goes to work, the wife stays at home. Like, he, he had a vision for what he wanted his family to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was really his wife that was trying to hold it together. And like the, the crazy thing too, is like on the, epi- on the books and like one of the covers is the, the sun taken apart, hanging out of a garbage can. And then it's like this, like vision, like in like mm-hmm. cartoony, like wavy things. And I was like that, that vision is, what you project, but it's not what this book is about. And I think that also ties into everything. It's not yeah. this cartoony, happy-go-lucky thing. It's this, it's a family imploding. Um, I don't know. It's, I, I think it's not, it is not for everyone, but it is a great look at humans. I, I agree. I, I'm glad this book kind of came under my radar because I just, I listened to an interview with Tom King, like, Otherwise, like I just kind of would pass it by, like after reading the uh, issue number one. Yeah, it's a tough read. It's not for everybody, but if it's for you, if, if this made anybody interested in reading this book, then you before you re- uh, read this book, you should read and review us before you become depressed and uh, give us five star ratings on uh, you know Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, wherever you find this podcast because we enjoy those ratings. They help us help other people find us on the interwebs. 
Uh, they can also interact with us, interact with us on uh, Facebook, Twitter. Are we still on Instagram? Was that I think we're still on. Uh, yeah, we're still on there, but since I haven't been doing the show notes, yeah. uh, we haven't had like the postings. But it's there. Yeah, but Facebook's probably the easiest um, on any kind of mentions. You know, just at us, at Begnum Board. Yeah. And uh, we'll find it. 